Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. From the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. Hello, boys and girls, men and women, people of the globe who are tuning in to another awesome episode of Veteran November. If you've missed the series and you're tuning in for the first time because of Carissa, you got to go back and listen to all the other ones. We've had like 20 some odd veterans at this point on the show. All amazing, brave men and women of all races, creeds, religions, backgrounds that serve in America is what makes this country great. Joining me for today's episode is Carissa Hightower. What's up? Hey, hey, thanks for having me, James. I really appreciate Um, it. So excited to have you on. But before we get started, folks, if you have not subscribed, please do so right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, hit the turn on um, and turn on the bell notification. If you're watching us on Rumble, subscribe to our channel. And if you're on Locals, this is part of our free content, but you can get a lot more content on our paid wall. So do so there as well. All right, I've done. I'm done. I'm done promoting Carissa. I promise, but I have to do it, right? Like, if I don't do it, of course. Like, of course. I shouldn't apologize, but you know, I I do it every time because it just feels awkward. Don't don't apologize. It's yeah. You should definitely promote. Yeah. So and you do a great you do a great job at it. So thank you, thank you. I try to keep it. I try to keep it real. I try to keep it real. (laughs) Um, uh, I believe authenticity is everything, and so. Carissa, who is a very authentic person, we were just having an awesome conversation before we got started, is joining me. And Carissa is, um, so so people think of the military, right? Of course, yeah. And, and, and you served. What branch of the service did you serve in? How long were you in for? Uh, U.S. Navy, eight years. Okay. Um, Navy, na- why Navy? Can I ask why Navy? You know, I don't even have a good answer for that because I, I didn't have anyone. I had four brothers. I was the only girl that went to the military. Uh-huh. No one in my family was in the military. So I was kind of, I, I was like, you know, this sounds good. <laughs> I, but I was like this. I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> um, I, I will say, you know, the Navy to me is like really fascinating because a lot of the um, women I speak with are either in the Navy or Air Force. And and I've always kind of like tried to find that balance of why, 
you know, now we're seeing more women enlist in the Marine Corps. We're seeing a lot more women in the Army. Um, but but it's a very kind of like interesting thing because when we go back to like when I was in the military, most of the women I encountered were either in the Navy or Air Force, but they weren't okay. really in the Army or Marine Corps. So it's 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 great that we're seeing the shift of of of, of more of that. But the Navy, yeah, that's interesting because the, the, all the females that I worked with um, and intel when I was in were all Marines. So that's that's interesting. So. Maria Thompson, she's the CISO for the state of North Carolina um, and the chief risk officer there. She's a Marine and she was a former Intel officer and she's like an unbelievable person. Like she is like the baddest of the bad. Like we were in Israel last summer. I think we, her and I did like a bunch of like 10 kilometer walks across the boardwalk in Tel Aviv, just a bunch of times, just shooting, you know, just talking and just, like yeah she's the baddest of the bad um i have an appreciation for that um it's 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 a challenge because the military has been predominantly male dominated and so it's it's not very inclusive and the culture also sometimes is not as inclusive what was what did you encounter any of that in your your time in the service you know interesting enough i I didn't um and and i don't know if that's how i was just because i was used to being you know like i said i had brothers i was used to being with the boys um i didn't see any of that and intel i think it's especially not as not as noticeable because i mean it's, it's so competitive and when you're in class together it's you know everybody's working you know if you've earned your spot you've earned your spot um and and so i never really had to uh Fortunately, deal with any of that. So, um, being on the Navy and, and Navy Intel, were you um, were you on any ships? Um, and, and did you go, did you actually end up in sea? No, I actually did not. Um, I did eight years in the Navy. Did never went to sea. I spent my entire time uh, at the National Security Agency. And the way they do it in Intel is, it, you know, it, we're all joint service, as you know. Right. And if you're at an agency, then you're in that billet. So you can either be in a Navy billet or the, you know, the agency's billet. And I was always in an agency billet. Uh, so they got say over where I went and what I did. Uh, so never any sea time for me. Do, do you regret that? Yeah, I do a little bit. I mean, if you would ask me then when I was getting out, because I had so many, obviously, shipmates that were going to sea and, it, you know, horrible stories of <laughs> being out for so long and you know everything like that so if you ask me that i probably would be like yeah i'm good but now yeah of course um i definitely wish i i would have had that experience yeah I, i've had a bunch of friends that were in the navy and the one thing they talk about is the fact that they got to see the world as part of their service right yeah. because you end up in you yeah. know bahrain or anywhere in europe or africa or asia and and so, so there, you know, I know a lot of people that enlist in the Navy because they want to travel and the Navy gives them that opportunity. They get to see the world in a, in a, in a, in a, in a capacity, which is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I got to travel quite a bit. Um, I was deployed several times. It just wasn't ever by boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so the rest of the Navy probably hates me, uh, you know, but how it goes i I don't know that they hate you i think you know every job respects itself right and in the military we used to say you know people would ask you your mos or what you did um and the one thing i learned in the service is 
even the guy who's cooking food is just as important as the guy who's firing a tank, flying a plane, oh, absolutely. shooting yeah. a weapon. I mean, um, I think there's no difference in MOSs, you know. The only difference is like the Air Force, you know, for chefs, like for food cookers, they actually recruit chefs. You know, we all just get <laughs> just some random you just guy get whatever. Who likes to cook. Right. The guy knows how to make scrambled eggs. Great. Bring him on. Make him runny. Hired. <laughs> Done. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. The, the Air Force has got us beat on on chow halls, for sure. Yeah. Every time. I just I hated it so much. Right? Like you go to like an Air Force base, like the first thing you're looking for, you're like, where's Chow Hall? Chow Hall. Yeah. <laughs> and well, like, yeah. Like, and you load the plate. Like, you ever go to like a buffet and you haven't eaten in like a day and like you load up your plate with food, like it's a tower of food? Like, yeah. Like, that's, that's, how, that's, that's any guy who's not an Air Force in an, in an Air Force Chow Hall. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just how it is. You got to take advantage of it when you're there. Yeah, like strike while it's hot. So talk a little bit about your transition. So you served for eight years. So you did your two tours. You you, you transitioned out. Did you go into, um, what was that transition like? Um, what were some of the experiences you had? And what was it like to leave after eight years? Eight years is a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, to be, to be honest, I don't, um, at getting out and transitioning, I don't think I really knew uh, what I was going to do. Cause at that time, you know, we're talking over 10 years ago, uh, Intel, cyber threat intelligence, things like that. They weren't, the jobs weren't plentiful. Um, we were still at a point where if you did Intel or, or any job really in the military, you were kind of like, what am I going to do when I, I get out? How am I going to translate this skill set? Um, I ended up, I, I really was kind of like, <clears throat> excuse me, I was kind of shooting in the dark looking at online jobs um, et cetera, and kind of looking for those keywords of, you know, analysts and Intel and, and, and things like that to see what I could maybe be a fit for. Um, I ended up applying for uh, a position at the Air Force CERT down in San Antonio, Texas on Lackland and got that position. Um, and that was really my first experience in cyber uh, because at, at the time in 2008 or nine, when I was transitioning out as well, they weren't training in, in cyber. Um, it was, they were just starting to, or at least the Navy was just starting to, uh, you know, we, we call them rates uh, for the job. They were just starting to make that rate and, and transition current sailors over to that. Um, so to see, so I did not have my training in the military um, because they weren't training for it yet. Uh, and so I transitioned to the Air Force CERT and that's where I had all my, uh, all of my cyber training, really. Is because that they were taking they they took you and you went through an entire course um, with them and you had to be certified as you know a computer emergency response analyst uh, before you got on the watch floor. So that was my first introduction to it. Um, trained by them, and and this is uh, you know you're looking back, it's a really interesting time because computers weren't considered a weapon yet. Eighty five seventy didn't exist yet. Uh, we were all just you know doing our thing. But the transition was, I mean, it was, it was, it, it was interesting. I consider myself lucky that, uh, you know, I'm not lucky in the sense that now we've got another thing to worry about, you know, national security wise, but that we, we, a bunch of vets now had um, a way to apply their skills that they had learned in the service. Yeah. So you bring up a very interesting point, which is very typical of people who are in Intel, which is we leave the service 
and we end up still in the military as a civilian in some capacity, right? You, you end yeah. up. And, and so how long did you do that for before you, you actually got an actual civilian job? Oh, gosh. Um, just up until about five years ago. <laughs> so, so not very long. I mean, I did that for another uh, six or seven years that I was a DOD contractor. So, so in all, you served our nation 15 years, 16 years. It ended up being about 16, 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, like, I, I, you know, we talk about this and we've talked about, I've talked about it in previous episodes, but it's the transition. That's probably the most difficult part for most people when they leave the service, because we get structure, we have, you know, a, a specific set of disciplines. We learn a language like military language is completely yeah. different from civilian language. It's yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Um, the, the, you know, it's, absolutely. It's, you know, first name basis doesn't exist. Um, you know, we call each other by our last names. If you walked into your office and you went, Jones, come here. They'd be like, well, she's in a bad mood. And you're like, no, no, no. That's like normal. Like <laughs> I, I forgot what my first name was for four years. Cause everyone called me. By As did I name. like, no, no one called me by Chris. until about five years ago. And I, I had to like, I still, you know, had to, it took <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Who's Carissa? I thought my mother was in the back or something. I was like, is my family here? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a interesting transition for sure. Yeah. That has a, that has a way of, of impacting you psychologically. So look at this, you know, 16, 17 years that you're, you know, in that, you know, military, I like, I don't want to call it bubble because it's not, you're in that military ecosystem of, you know, discipline of integrity, of structure, of all of that. Then you go to the civilian world, which by all means, if people want any proof of how crazy the civilian world is, the month of November in the year 2020 is just plain proof of just how wackadoodle that is. Yes, yes. So so talk a little bit about that that first transition um, five years ago or however long that was um, of going from, you know, to an actual civilian job and, and what was it like to really step outside that ecosystem? Oh man, it was, um, it, I mean, it was just a huge learning process because you didn't know you were so in that environment for that long that, and, and you know, as you know, the military, I mean, we're very straightforward, uh, very blunt. Everything is very time sensitive. Um, and that doesn't go away, you know, when you get out and just, you know, and transition to the private sector. So a lot of that for me was, it was half like going into an environment where, you're in a meeting and you're straightforward and blunt and, you know, people don't take it that way. They don't take it as like, well, she's just giving me the facts. They're like, Whoa, you know, it's, it's aggressive. Um, and, and so there's a lot of those situations that uh, I, I dealt with and had to kind of really think before I spoke about my delivery of things. Um, and then there was the, and then there was the Intel um, in general, because it was, you know, coming from somewhere, especially NSA, I mean, everyone, I mean, there's so many brilliant people and so many brilliant minds. I mean, you're just Joe Schmo in the corner. You know what I mean? It's like it, it, the person sitting next to you is a savant sometimes. And so it, it was, you never think about, you always think that you know less, if that makes sense. You always, like you're, you're always learning and from someone that's next to you. And so when I came into Intel, um, I think I was a little bit, it was a shift for me to, to kind of understand that I had to teach what Intel was. Um, there was a, you know, a huge gap between knowing the kind of skill sets that you needed to build a team 
and and, and really just knowing what Intel meant um, in, in general. And, and so I, I found it a little, I kind of felt a little odd, you know, teaching, like, I don't remember ever speaking about the Intel cycle while I was in the Navy um, or at the agency. I don't remember ever talking about, uh, you know, how to report or, or time, you know, time sensitive and actual information. And so I found myself in a teaching position. Um, and that was a little, it was a little, like to people, you know, it was a little uncomfortable at first, um, but it, I mean, it's been good. It's, it's, it's done good for me, but it was, yeah, it was definitely an interesting transition. Yeah. The idea of fact-based coming off as aggressive is very relatable for a lot of people, Yeah, right? Because in the service, we're very, you know, in your face, it is what it is. This is the fact, nothing else matters. There's no twisting the facts when you want to twist the facts that goes up the the chain of command and they can do with it what they want up the chain of command um i think anyone who's been an intel knows that you can write a, the, the best report in the world and it'll be misconstrued by the time it reaches the p- person it needs to reach right so, yeah. so we do kind of have that in the military the only difference is the ability to listen to what you have to say and understand what you're saying is is very different in the service than it is in the private sector. What'd you do to overcome that? Like what was some of the stuff you had to kind of internalize as you were thinking of how to deliver stuff that may have been critical for your Uh, organization? Yeah. You know, I think I just, um, you know, I had to start giving the, I think the why to, to things like if I delivered um, facts, I, I learned to start following it up with, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're doing this. This is why I'm giving your information and just kind of expand, um, expand on it and not be so point blank, I guess. Um, you know, and it was, I mean, just, yeah, just as something as, you know, adding a little more context um, to what you're saying or maybe changing, you know, your tone of voice. And I'm definitely never, I've no, I'm not a rude person, you know, or anything like that. It's just something that you get used to, um, you know, we brief, right. And, and, and Intel or in the military in general and, if you don't stick to the facts, then, you know, you're going to probably, it's not going to go over too well, you know, from, from someone higher up, you're like, you're taking too long. So it was, yeah, it was just a, an adjustment of, of words and just internalizing like how something might come across to them as, as rather blunt than, than how I really mean it. Yeah. I'm still learning. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I suck at it. Like, I'm so honest sometimes, like brutally honest that people don't know how to take it. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, and I still am. I, I mean, I think when you're dealing with, um, you know, and there's really no, especially like, you know, going back to like things being time sensitive too, it's just having to, to switch to that because things were not, you know, like if I sent something, I sent a report out on a Friday. It was like, it wasn't going to get to, it was like, no one's going to get to it till Monday, you know? And that for me was like, kind of blew my mind. <laughs> you know? Oh, this like, can't wait. This can't wait. I was like, people, people get exploited over the weekend too. <laughs> you know? So it was just one of those, like you would never, you would never set on something, um, you know, in, in the military, especially in, you know, a type of, of intel actual information situation so it, it was definitely definitely adjustment still is on it you know honestly i mean a lot of situations um i'm lucky now i, I work i work with a lot of vets um and most of my uh, you know social network are, are all vets so it's uh it's definitely i'm lucky to have 
a lot of the same people in my circle that that get it. Yeah, the, you know, I think I think the when you end up working with vets in the civilian world, it makes that a little bit easier. Um, but but in the private sector, um, honesty is almost frowned upon. Sometimes I feel um, it's, it's yeah, it is, it is, um, and, and you know that's a that's another struggle as you know just setting back and like we don't we stand up for you know traditionally we stand I mean that's what we're there for right what we you know honor courage commitment we we stand up for what's right um, and, and that's what we're fighting for and so as you know going to a situation like that where now people don't like honesty and a lot of people don't speak up um, for things. It's, you, you can, I mean, I, there's several situations that I've come across as the bad guy because I'm calling things out that, you know, people don't ever, that's like, that's not the normal and in, in, in their environment. Yeah. That's always a challenge. I mean, you know, five years as a, you know, I, I've been a civilian now for, I've been in the private sector for a little bit over 11 years and, okay. and an entrepreneur, 10 of those, because I did like one year as an employee somewhere. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> like, like I, I, it was, it's, it's very difficult because I don't get along with HR because I'm just brutally honest. Like I am HR's worst nightmare. Yeah. Even when I had yeah. my own company, like my HR people would be like, James, you can't say that. And I'm like, it's the truth. Yes, you can <laughs> say the truth. That's why it's called the truth. The truth. That's why it is a fact. Yes. That's why it is something actually happening. If the sky is burning, you don't say, well, the sky kind of looks hot. The sky's burning. Fire. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I don't know. I still have that issue. I think that people who listen to the podcast know, like, they're just like, okay, I'm very, very brutally honest. It's, 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 it's a fault. And, but I think when you come from Intel um, and you come from the military, brutally honest is the only way you can't spin a story. Yeah. You, you, that's not your, that's not your job. And I mean, come on, if you spin something, then I mean, lives are at risk. There's a whole, a whole different consequence. Um, the, you know, in the military. So it, it's, it, you know, you got to like my job, you know, especially coming from SIGINT is like, I report the facts and that's it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's up to the consumers of that report to, to translate and, you know, action upon it, how they feel necessary, but you just don't have, yeah, facts. That's it. So, so you said that when you, when you left the service, you went to work at the Air Force, that's when you were first really introduced to cyber. Um, yes. Talk. So, did you did you do a boot camp? Did you go to school for it? Was it? Did you do some certs? What was that like? Yeah. So they had their own, um, I guess, internal training uh, that they did. So the Air Force actually trained us. We did go through um, a type of boot camp situation. Um, it was a lot like being you know, in the military, but we were DOT contractors. But it was a lot like being back in and, and going through a regular course, and then. We would, uh, you know, go onto the watch floor and we would um, set side saddle and we would do, uh, you know, the same kind of checklist. And I'm totally losing my thought now of like what we call them in the military. Okay. Don't worry about uh, but um, it's been a while. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you do your checklist, you, you check off, you train. Um, and then, like I said, for certs, like we didn't, 
that wasn't a thing at, when I first came to the Air Force. And so we, the 8570 or like getting security plus or CEH or anything like that, it wasn't required. Um, and then only after, uh, you know, a couple of years of being there, was it required? And so I did get those. Um, I, I did get those certs. And then I actually ended up moving out to, I was recruited um, by Booz Allen to come out to Intop at uh, NSA Washington. And so, then, of course, that was a whole other cyber experience. Um, insane. So, uh, yeah, I had a, you know, and that's, and that's pre, and once again, we're going back to like, it's pre miter attack, it's pre kill chain, it's pre, you know, everything that we were studying there, uh, you know, documenting TTPs and kind of, you know, flying the plane as it's being built, I guess. Well, you were documenting as it was happening early on. There's an aspect to that that a lot of people don't, like I feel like business doesn't look at it the same way, but government has to do that, which is you have exactly. to kind of document everything and plan ahead and see what someone's trying to do. I mean, the internet for all 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 its glory, you know, was something we kind of invented that in in, in all reality was just a, another communication tool that has now evolved into something so much greater than we ever fathomed. I think when they built it, they were like, Oh, this is great. We can send messages. Now, yeah. Now it's 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 a way of life. It's not the way of life. It's the way of life. It's yes, life. absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I don't. I think there's a lot of. Um, I feel like I was. In the, I'm grateful for the time that I was that I did serve because we saw a lot of. I mean, talk about communications and technology. I mean, we we went from you know cell phones and geospatial, you know, chasing terrorists with with phones to. Um, I was, there was countries that were still copying Morse code. I had to go to Morse code school and then you, you come into to cyber and now I'm in cyber training. So it's, you know, we're moving, it's, you know, you're moving as fast as you can to keep up, uh, you know, with everything. But I, I think that also where even, you know, pre cybercom and, and pre everything, I mean, they were, you know, they were, they were kicking ass and the end top. So, and you know, that's something that we don't, ever get to, to talk about or, or that you're never going to hear, you know, for good reasons. But, um, you know, you've got some well, some pretty brilliant people defending this country. We don't need to know about it. And I think that's one of no. one, one of the aspects of of transparency and a right to know as Americans. Right. There's some stuff we don't need to know. Um, and Absolutely. There's some stuff we're better off not knowing. And we don't need to talk about everything, it, you know, because it, it's, it's bad. You, you know, I, I used to hate it when I'd hear a politician or someone in leadership say, we're going to attack this way and we're going to this city. And I'm like, why? Why are you saying that? Like, what? Like, really? Yeah, I mean, kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, like steam would shoot out of my ears because it's 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 our tactical advantage. You're letting people know we're coming. Yeah, you know exactly. You're 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 you're, you're eliminating an advantage. That's you know it's 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 fascinating um, to kind of see that um, from the military perspective. And and I can go. That's a rabbit hole for me. That's a whole rabbit hole for me. Like I've done entire talks on you know just leadership shutting up and then doing stuff after it happens yeah. like brief people out we got credible intel that so and so was here and we 
took decisive action. We did it. Here's what we did. That's it. Game over. Right? Don't don't say it before. Like, we know you're hiding over there, mister. We're coming for you. You're like, okay. Well, that's operational intelligence, right? I mean, that's, yeah, intel. You're collecting intel to have an advantage, not yeah. to... Uh, not to give it to the press. Uh, not yeah, to not give to give it to, it to the, the media. Not to give it to yeah. anybody. Like, you're, yeah. you're not going to win. Yeah, you, 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 <laughs> don't, you don't win those wars. That's you don't sure. win those wars. No. So, no element of surprise there. So, so today you're a senior Intel consultant. So so you're in the uh, CTI space, essentially, in cyber, right? Uh, I am. Cyber threat intel. What's that like yes. for you? Uh, you know, it's still, it's, I think since I've came uh, to the private sector, it's just been an ongoing uh, kind of being in the teacher seat, really, and, and helping other organizations, you know, in the country just understand you know, what requirements are, what intelligence is, and, you know, and how you make it actionable. And of course, there's a, a huge gap in just analytic methodology, you know, how, you know, how, taking something and what do I do with that? Um, how do I exploit this? So, the, you know, I'm on a great team that, you know, a lot of us have a very different backgrounds. And that's, you know, that's kind of where we see where we fit every day is just helping the rest of the country get up to speed and get educated about, you know, how they can protect themselves. Yeah, there's a, we do need to do that. We need to increase our awareness as individuals of those around us to the cyber threats that are out there. Um, And for those who think that like, you know, our cyber opponents have any ethics, none, zero. They'll go after you. Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't have any ethics. There is, everybody's free game here. Um, you know, but that's a big challenge too, right? In the private sector is that it's a mentality thing. Like we coming from a military, you're used to being, you know, like, I mean, the civilians aren't used to having targets, right? And they're not used to being targeted. So it's a whole mentality of like having somebody from a military background is great to have on your team. Um, because they, they do have that mentality of looking at who's targeting you and, and why, and they accept it. You know, it's not a it's not a scary thing to them to 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 target or be targeted. Um, and I think a lot of times private sector, you know, when you look at some of the people on the team, they just don't they don't know how to look at that because they've never had to be in this position. They've never had to be in this position before or had or have to look at threat actors and do any kind of profiling. Right. Or anything like that. So it's just kind of a it's definitely a, a you know, a mental shift of civilians are having to go through unfortunately they're just they're having to adjust to it yeah so we're wrapping up here we're almost out of time and i always go over on these episodes i'm so bad at this um like time is just not my thing anymore like if there's one thing i've lost <laughs> all credibility from 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 my time in the service is time management i suck time at management it. i suck at well, it at this point i've become too far of a too much of a civilian you know i lived in israel for 6 years and in israel when someone says 10 it's pretty much like 10:45 yeah or like living in hawaii right like the yeah, locals it's like, like yeah, man. I'll be there soon. It's like three days. Yeah, <laughs> Let me know. Uh, you know, it's like ordering Uber Eats is in, in, in Hawaii, I guess. That's like, a, you want some food? Okay, we'll get it for you. Uh, you should order, you know, dinner at breakfast and lunch at dinner and breakfast. Oh, no. When I, when, I set up, when I set up cable there, they're like, yeah, okay, it's going to be three months. It will be there. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, three months. That's crazy. Uh, no, negative. All right. Uh, what's one la- What's one thing you miss about your time in the in, in the Navy? Oh, family. I mean, we're a family, you know? And it, it, it just doesn't matter what's going on that day or how rough it gets. Like, like those are your people and they're by you and, you know, thick and thin. So I definitely miss that. You don't get a lot of that um, in civilian world, unfortunately. But um, that's absolutely what I miss the most, camaraderie. Yeah, camaraderie is uh, something a lot of people miss nowadays. It is. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think that a lot of vets probably answer that the same way. It is. It's the number one answer to this question. I already know the answer before I ask it, but I ask yep. it anyways. Um because maybe I mean, I could have said chow hall, right? I mean, Air Force chow hall. <laughs> what do you miss the most? Air Force chow hall. Really? Air Force chow hall. Really, you're in you're you're in Texas. Like the best, some of the best food in the country is in Texas. We do have pretty good tacos. <laughs> Insane food in Texas, like tacos, barbecue. You know, a burger is an actual burger in Texas. It doesn't have mushrooms on it and all kinds of. It's a burger. It's a bun with two pieces of meat. It's a man thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely. All right, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for your service. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. It was an honor. It's a pleasure, folks. Another veteran November in the books. Uh, Carissa Hightower. Make sure you shout out, thank her for her service. Comment below. Um, reach out and and just let her know how much you appreciate the work that she's done to serve our nation. Eight years in uniform. Another about eight or nine years as a contractor. And and a lot of times we look and we say someone served for 23 years, but then they go on and they continue to serve in a civilian role, still working within the same establishment they were in as they were enlisted. So their service goes well, well beyond um, just the time they wore the uniform and were enlisted. So with that being said, thank you folks so much for listening and tuning in. We're almost wrapping up. So remember, November 30th. We're going to, you can sign up on our website or on any of our social media pages. Um, it's, it's, it's actually posted there, the link to join us for a November 30th party takedown. We're going to be wrapping up Veteran November. Um, Chris is invited, obviously, if you can make it. Um, it's going to be at, um, I believe, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, I believe. I, I have to double check that. But we're going to be hanging out. It'll be uh, Chris Cochran, myself, uh, Brian Lozado, the sister over at HBO Max, and a bunch of other people. We're going to try and get Maria Thompson from the state of North Carolina on. And it's just going to be a bunch of veterans drinking bourbon, scotch, whiskey, beer, tequila, or your choice of alcoholic beverage. And we're going to be hanging out. It's an invite only, so you do have to apply to get the link to join us. We weren't going to do it live, but then we decided that a bunch of people drinking on LinkedIn may not be the best thing for our careers. And so with that being said, folks, we'll wrap up this month of November, a month of Thanksgiving, a month of a lot of uncertainty in a year that's been the most challenging probably for some generations now with um, a toast and a better 2021 so join us for that you can sign up on our website at cyberhubpodcast.com under events or you can do so on any of our social media podcast uh, any of our social media including locals uh, twitter linkedin facebook uh, parlor anywhere um, any social media network we're there um, just look us up cyberhub podcast and you'll see uh, the registration for this event that's it for us folks till next time this is james Hazer signing off wishing you all to stay very healthy and extremely cyber safe.
Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com. 